1: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
0: My guest is the author and artist, John Scott. John has been on before and we've talked about his NDE from an eating a poisonous mushroom and he returns today to give us some more information about NDEs and other things as well. John, thank you for being my guest again and Welcome.
1: Hi, Jeff. Thanks. Um, this is what the fifth podcast and I was getting to a point where I was thinking I wasn't going to do too many more because I I have pretty much said most of what I needed to say in the other podcasts. But um, thanks for having me again. Well,
0: we all want more and we know that you have more information to give.
1: Yeah, look, information um, is an interesting kettle of interesting bag of fish. It's uh, because some information. Um, the stuff that I'm holding is quite esoteric and yet I'm trying to simplify it for people uh, into palatable um, syntax or palatable words we were just discussing this in the pre pre um, Mm pre-interview about the use of words that we don't understand and of course you know when we're dealing, especially when you're dealing in my case studying metaphysics they use um, words in Hebrew uh, that are or Hebrew or Paleo-Hebrew, which not everyone knows these words. So I try to steer away from using those big esoteric words and try to go more into the the energy of and the uh, outcome of that particular word and and where in the map of consciousness um, we fit because a lot of people will say um, that, oh, I've experienced this. And yet because it's a subjective experience, it's very hard to put into, into that map for others to understand, because others might think they've been to the same place where, yes, they may have. Um, some cases, it's very subjective. So it's this is what opens up the whole debate about uh, near-death experiences in general and what level and what people see. But the thing is, when we value add to an experience, um, a belief on top of that, then that's where it can get into very weird territory. And I, I don't talk about something uh, about a belief structure. I talk purely from the experience of what I saw.
0: And actually, now that you're saying mm-hmm.
1: that,
0: what you saw, it's been about a year since you've been here. I probably have had maybe 20,000 new people since you've been here. So can you just briefly tell people what happened to you or how your NDE happened?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. Um, I've spoken about this many times before. Uh, basically. Um, I went bush, as we say here in Australia, I, I was going out into the wilderness. This was the uh, areas of our bush. Are quite dangerous, but there's um, places in the mountains that um, have tracks that are well known. Um, uh, being an artist uh, back then, <clears throat> excuse me, we didn't have what you call cell phones back then. I mean, this is only a new invention. We didn't have internet. Um, so... You basically go in with supplies that you need, food. I mean, I was planning to go uh, for the whole weekend, um, Friday night, Saturday night, even Sunday night, drive home on Monday. And being an artist, I always took my camera with me, and those were the days when we had film cameras. So I would take my camera. Sometimes I would take my sketchbook. Um, I'm not a big one for sketching on site that much, but I do take it because I might see something of interest. Um, you know, because an idea is associated with a landscape or something or I'll construct a landscape or whatever. Um, I've been in the bush uh, a lot of my life. I mean, my family, we used to pick mushrooms, all sorts of things, uh, what we call bush tucker. Um, I know quite a few things that um, uh, things we can eat and there's a lot we can't eat um, in the bush. Uh, but mushrooms is, is an easy one. Sometimes I pick berries, um, you know, I used to hunt when I was younger as well, um, which I won't I won't touch a rifle or a gun anymore because after that experience, I realized that everything has life in it. But basically, I came across what I thought was saffron cat mushrooms. Now, they're a, an orangey looking mushroom. Um, I misidentified. Um, I ended up having what is known as Amanita muscaria harmonita muscari is the classic red one with the white broken bits on top they're considered poisonous and my um they can be they can be depending on dosage Uh, but I feel that due to my fitness level because I was really at the echelons of my physical fitness um I didn't do substance abuse um I wasn't a a huge alcohol drinker because I played ice hockey and I was very much into fitness. I was um, playing first grade ice hockey around the time. And uh, so, of course, I, I'm super fit. You go for these walks are sometimes up to 15 kilometers, 20 kilometers, you know, over the, the period of getting in and getting out. So it might be 10 kilometers in 10 kilometers. What's that? Six miles, six mile in, six mile out. <clears throat> the place I went to, I'd been to many times before with, with my flag mate. Um, this time i went alone i'm not frightened of traveling alone i mean yes we have snakes we have dangers but you just be mindful of that um brown snakes, black snakes this sort of thing scorpions spiders, all sorts of stuff going on uh, generally you, you know one can be pretty okay with with a bit of bush common sense anyway i took um, i misidentified a bunch of mushrooms and um, i put them into my food my, i had dried stuff that i'd pre-dried stewed it all up and pal, it it hit me um, with an experience that um, I was not expecting. Now, I'm kind of glad as a youth, I was a surfer and um, I had had drugs before, like uh, marijuana and um, someone had given me LSD. Um, So I knew what getting stoned was about and I hadn't had any drugs, God, in what, a decade, easily a decade, I, I had a really bad lsd experience which really scared the crap out of me um, and that i was glad i had it because um, my mind had matured 10 years through specific practices that that i was uh, doing with my mind uh, i was a freelance illustrator and i think um, the process of my illustration gave me or were enabled the ability of one pointed meditation or one pointed focus to sharpen. And that's what saved me so my mind was much more mature when this um mushroom kicked in and it's not a hallucin- hallucinatory experience a lot of people assume that oh you took drugs and you hallucinated this is not true hallucinations are a distortion of reality a distortion this did not a distort, uh, distort at all it expanded expanded the experience or realities Now, when I went into the area that I couldn't comprehend was, you know, after my body had started to expand and balloon out, which was a very bizarre experience. Um, I initially got scared. Yes, of course. I thought I've taken something and I have no idea what I've taken here or what's happened. Um, I clicked that it was obviously the mushrooms because that was the only um, insert that I would put into the food with my meat and my potatoes and things like that potatoes and things like that. So I think I put in about six to nine mushrooms, which is really huge. That's like, you're talking the Grammage. I don't know Grammage, but they say, if you take five grams of psilocybin, for example, that's a really big hit. Well, I must've taken about 50 maybe more grams of Amanita muscaria. So not much was known about that mushroom. I had never heard of it, nor had I ever seen it before in my life other than, recognition later that it was the classic santa claus mushroom the ones with the little gnomes and the elves on it's right throughout europe so after the expansion um i ended up expanding right throughout nature and i think that has a lot to do with what i now know as the uh, spiritual signature of that particular mushroom often these um earth plants will uh, for some reason And especially with mushrooms, they have some sort of a connection to the mycelium, the hyphae mycelium, which is the root system and the spores. And the spores of fungi are right throughout. They are possibly nature's biggest uh, living organism that connects whole forests together. And so, of course, the spirit of that particular mushroom or fungi takes you into that automatically you syncopate or you resonate with that particular spiritual or energetic frequency of the plant. This much I've gleaned, you know, from the actual experience. I got to a point uh, where I expanded right out to the stars. Um, You know, I was getting into what I felt were quantum fields of nature. I mean, I saw things that I couldn't readily put, um, how can I put the words to this, The information was streaming back so fast into my consciousness. It was immediate. It wasn't like conversation, question, answer, question, answer. That's a linear process. This was immediate, like pure telepathy with nature. That's all I can put it. It's like osmosis. There's no English language involved. I wasn't talking English to the experience. I was just observing it and I was getting information pouring in.
0: Do you think that your answers were being answered at the instant that you were thinking the question? So it's all happening at the same time.
1: Yes. There's no duality. It's instant. There's no time delay. Yeah. And so what I was seeing was that there was um, life or light in the form of crystalline structures, uh, underpinning everything from trees, plants, rocks, the planet, everything has crystalline structure in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. This became really important later, much later, because I was going, I went into a rock, for example, or a tree, and I could, I knew it was a tree, I knew it was a rock, and then something strange happened. Once I started to get a grasp of that, then the time distorted, and that's probably the only time it became quote unquote hallucinatory because when you start playing with time um time expansion and time contraction this really was weird um but i understood what was going on after a particular um process when i went through it for some time i thought oh time's speeding up so i started to see um, the bush passing through seasons like winter spring autumn summer this type of thing i haven't got them in the right order but basically what was happening is the seasons were starting to um swirl uh, around the planet meaning i was seeing the seasons circumnavigating the whole planet and i realized and the the energy of, of of summer turning to autumn when all the leaves fall off and, and everything discolours and, and, but the energy was retracting back through nature. And then it was actually heading over to another area on the planet. And so I started following this and it was going like bouncing around. And I was thought I'm observing a whole year of energy flow through the four seasons. And that sped up and I could see the earth actually expanding and contracting. It was breathing. And uh, this was very, very bizarre. So. When I focused on on this aspect, I actually even went deeper, and I looked at the light within the rocks, within the trees, within the forest, and I realised that they were they were um, crystals, but not crystals how we observe them, um, as in rocks. You know, a rock crystal in your hands. You know, a, a, like you've got a solid quartz crystal, for example. You hold it in your hand. These crystals had a very strange shape. And I, um, I drew them when I came back. Yes, and I later found out that um, they replicated um, structures called tensegrity structures. Now that term was coined by Buckminster Fuller, I think, who was an architect. And what he did is he uh, built architectural structures using strong and weak uh, points of connection. So. I realized that these strong and weak forces that held these very asymmetric, asymmetric means they're not symmetrical, these structures that were inside rocks, trees and plants and everything I looked at, they had this asymmetry. They were weird-looking crystals, but they were full of light. And there were two forms of light binding these crystals together. And I later realized that I was looking at the quantum field Quantum field, and this, when I reflect on it, um, this was very profound, Jeff. Because this quantum field, as I expanded out into the universe, and it became more relevant later when I spoke with the light telepathically, I realized, uh, on the gestalt, the broader brushstroke here is that the whole universe is just one liquid crystal, and what would happen is it steps down, uh, the light steps down through a series of step down processes into each dimension, solidifying into a more solidified crystal of which we are, we have this crystal within us in our DNA in the form of molecular structures that we call um, chemical chains. They form crystalline shapes in the way that they're structured. We have millions of these chemical chains in us that are actually forms of light. And I found out later that I could manipulate those chemical chains inside my biology by visualizing them or even targeting illness or, you know, uh, observing these structures within me. I can still do it now. I don't do it often, but occasionally I do do it if I'm feeling a little bit off. Um, I actually access that. Let me
0: stop you there. You were mentioning the things that you saw within the earth. Did you get any indication that the earth itself... Is a sentient being.
1: I would use I would use that term now. Years ago before, I, like I was an atheist before. I didn't believe in anything, but I would say yes. The Earth has um, a frequency, but it can fluctuate. It's not a stable frequency. It can fluctuate. How does it fluctuate? Well, this is when we start to get into some very weird territory in regarding to the Schumann resonance, which is well known about it. But we also have an electromagnetic grid that surrounds the planet. This grid just swirls around the planet. It's a measurable grid, but that grid fluctuates depending on the position of the sun, the moon and the planets. So we have fluctuating magnetic grids. This um, later, I ended up formulating a theory about gravity, light, consciousness, time and space. I mean, maybe I'm overlapping on the space and the and the, um, but there's those four or or five main features where consciousness is actually linked into gravitational waves. Our, our consciousness can be affected by time, light, gravity, and space. And I thought, wow, but they all fluctuate. So this is where I formulated um, a semi theory that that astrology has to work because. Um, depending on the position of the planets, they form crystalline structures. Anybody who's done astrology can see all the little shapes. They form um, geometric shapes, which are actually crystals in a two-dimensional form, right? They're flat crystals.
0: During your NDE or during any other time, have you ever seen pre-birth memories? And if so, is it possible that you planned this NDE to happen beforehand?
1: That's a frightening question because what it does is it gets into the notion of predestiny versus choice. I've struggled with predestiny versus choice personally because um, it's a dualistic, it's dualistic in construct, choice versus predestiny. Well, because, okay, initially I didn't want to come back from the light. I didn't want to return. Who would? The love was phenomenal. That's a given. So And it said, don't worry, we, we, quote unquote, are always here, always. And it emphasised that. And so the questions I asked within when I was talking to the light itself, which came much later in the experience, I thought I would never, I didn't even study those subjects. Like I mentioned, I said specifically, no one's going to believe me. And so what I did, this is when I was in front of the light after going through the tunnel and all of that and I thought no one's going to believe me I'm a nobody who would believe me you know like I don't have letters after my name and I was a bit of a joker I never really had a serious connection to study or anything like that Um, and I asked what the pyramids were for and this was an odd question because I had no interest in the pyramids I had no interest in world mysteries so I wondered whether or not That Those questions were subtly pre-planted into me to be discharged at the point of my NDE, which would infer that my NDE was predestined.
0: What about this? Is it possible that you could have at least created output or outpoints in your lifetime? So as if you're not going to whatever your life's purpose is, you have these possible out points where you either leave and start over, or you go out and you rediscover. You know, hey, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And when you come back, you get back on track.
1: That's a good point. An out point. Could you paraphrase that as an exit point? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's probably a better way to put it. Like you, we set up. You know, you you set up possible exit points, whether it was this or other times in your life. Maybe you get into other accidents.
1: Well, th- this is a good point, and th- I, I think we have to um, bring in karma here. Karma just means action; it's a Eastern word meaning action. Actions, both good and bad, um, uh, are based off probably predestined plans, which a lot of people are, are quoting that we have predestiny you know, before we come in and a pre-plan to fulfil um, X amount of. You know, experiences. Um, my life has been pretty hard prior to the ND, very hard. And then after the ND, it hasn't been rosy either. So I've been kind of cornered in such that mirrors in the form of experiences kept repeating until I bloody well got it. And I've gone, oh, so I'm forced into thinking and reflecting a lot harder than normal to retain this information and retain the experience as teacher as my personal teacher so I've had to go through some really bad hardships real king hits on the ground fetal position crying type of experiences and then I've gone okay I really get it now I get it and then it it humbles you up yes so my exit points I could have easily exited Jeff easily and I think that my NDE was an exit. It wasn't a suicide, but it was if it was pre-planned, I was ready, I was fed up, you know, to a point where I thought, you know, I didn't care what happened in life. Not that I was less affair about it. I I, you know, I just thought I hadn't had any great outcomes up to that point. Everything had been shattered. Like I lost a partner in a car accident with my daughter. I had a good career in, in the military and the navy. And that was all cut short. So there was all of these experiences that just kept on getting truncated and cut short i thought come on man this this is unfair i mean i'd really i'm a hard worker and i'm really diligent i'm very focused and it just nothing would work out i'd get to a certain benchmark and then that would be what one would consider an exit point but then i got pushed even harder to go higher higher meaning subtler go deeper deeper into me into my archetype into my subconscious and so The NDE literally pushed me through the back door and out and up. Literally, you cannot get any deeper than an NDE or an OBE or similar, right? So obviously, I was pushed. That was my exit point. So when people say, you know, yeah, to be born again, I was literally born again. Now, if I had have died and carried on to the light, left the body behind to recapture All of that information in a a preceding life or the next life would have been just as hard. Obviously, it was predestined for something. The fact that I had to come back, most people come back and say, well, why? Why did I come back to this? Well, obviously, uh, my job may not be finished yet. I still may have things that I have to do, which is conjecture from my part and hypothetical. Mm. So as, as far as exit points, yes, I agree with that. Um, some people, again, I mentioned karma, and this is where karma, I spent 10 years contemplating karma, meaning action. If we all have subjective relative karma and we have to take the inputs of karma, uh, the emotional input, the environment, your gender that you choose in this life, because I saw multiple lives during my life review, quote, unquote, I just didn't get what I'd done—harm to someone or good to someone. I got multiple lives; it's all about ten lives, and I, I didn't understand what I was looking at. But then, now I realise what I was looking at—that all of those lives were needed to get John to this particular incarnation as an Anglo-Saxon, Western, in Australia, in this time frame. This, again, com- contrived 2022, which is a contrived date. This is this is a date that was placed on us by the Vatican based off the supposed jesus being uh zero year zero we are not the only calendar on the planet so we don't know where we are in time and that's another question but the karmic inputs are different for everyone someone i I wrote a, a bit of a summary on facebook about um that you might incarnate to perform one single thing one little job no matter how minuscule that is the job that you came to do. And it's not that it's any less valued. It's just that that was your karma to fulfill in that particular time frame. Once you fulfill it, then you might be able to exit. This is why sometimes people die when they're young. They come, some people, the kids, sometimes the kids are three months old, two months old, devastating for a parent to lose their child. But that child has karma, as does the parent. So this is when you get into dynamics of, you know, karma within two entities, within the same um, family unit. Have you? So dis- it's very hard mm, to have, discern. Have you discovered for this
0: lifetime what is your karmic reason or purpose for being here? Yes. What is it?
1: I can't tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but but I have a fair idea. Yes. Now I didn't then. Uh, it's getting to a a point.
0: All right. You know, I noticed that you use the word, the light, and it, I'm assuming that's how you are referring to God. And if, well, a lot of,
1: again, okay. Mm, okay. If, if so, a...
0: if, if that's true or not, can you give us a definition or your definition of what
1: God is? Okay, that's a. will give you a rhetorical on that. Tell me something that God isn't. Mm, yeah. Because as soon as we try to describe what it is, you fall short it's too vast it's it's incomprehensible it's ineffable that's why they use these terms but we've heard them so often infinite ineffable but we still have finite limits on describing infinite yeah right so i say well what isn't god because i come from the opposite direction on that i say well it's in everything and i did ask that because i said where are you because i'd gone through the process of nature the void, the gate, the tunnel. Then I went through um, various subtle gates further on. Then I finally reached the light. I mean, absolute awe, absolute awe in front of this. I get upset. I get emotional about it. Because it, it knew me already. I'd been there millions of times, Jeff, millions, and I thought, wow, I'm home I don't want to go back. Why would I want to go back? This, this is where we come from. We all come from there. And um, it was a shock. It, I was probably shocked, but your mind is my mind wasn't in the same space as, as, as John down here. You're raw. You, I was in spirit, my soul, and it could see everything, absolutely everything. It knew everything. But I use the word conundrum a lot when I describe what I saw. It was like the oldest thing, entity, that one can ever comprehend, and yet it was like a baby. It was like an unborn child as well as the oldest cognitive. Yeah. So it was the opposite. It had extreme opposites within the unity of it. Um, It knew everything. So why bother even incarnating into flesh or going into other forms if it already knew everything? And this gets into a very esoteric area of who or what is God? How did it begin? How many cycles of Big Bangs has this thing been through? Was there an original Big Bang? How can something that's fully conscious even have consciousness? You know, I mean, what is consciousness? What is awareness? What is knowing? I mean, we're dealing with some really big questions here. And we can only see them from the perspective of a human entity. And we battle with these questions as the very fabric of our existence. We always ask, where are we from? Where are we now? And where the hell are we going? Where do we really come from? Were we spontaneously created? Did we evolve through apes? I mean, did extraterrestrials make us? I mean, where? come on, show me the proof. Where's the proof? And, and the problem is we don't have much proof. All we have is we are here and we are stuck in this limbo with no history, this hidden history that goes back into eons, this dark shadowy history that we, we know we've got remnants of that history in the form of architecture like in Egypt with the pyramids and stuff, uh, which is one area of, of inquiry. And we know that we're pushing the boundaries of time back with that inquiry with good scholars out there saying there's no freaking way that that great pyramid could have been built in 20 years or in 2560 BC. How come we've forgotten the knowledge in, in two and a half thousand short years or 4,000 four, four short years, we've forgotten the knowledge of moving a one tonne block. Mm. I mean, I think I joked about that with you the other day about moving a one tonne block through sand. You ever try it, it digs in, you know, boiling hot sand. When I walk on the beach in summer, I burn my feet off just walking on the beach, you know, walking 100 yards to the water.
0: You mentioned earlier that you were an atheist. Was it your NDE yeah. that changed you into whatever you label yourself now as?
1: Yes, and I don't give myself a label. I mean, I don't like the word believer because beliefs denote beliefs, and beliefs have limitations. I um, I am swing more towards panentheism. That's not to be confused with pantheism. Pantheism is the worship of the planet, the worship of animals as God. But you've got to remember in the, uh, well, the Judaic Christian uh, version of mythology of the creation myth, God actually made the heavens and the earth first, made the animals, made the insects, made the plants. All before us, we came last. And if one wants to go even further, you know, Adam and Eve were created last. So we we humans are really inconsequential when you, when you think in terms of the creation myth according to the Judaic Christian myth. So if the creator, uh, you know, you're not even allowed to use that word because it's considered new age, got to say God. Well, okay, God, I'm happy with that. I'll call it anything you want as long as you can equate to it. Well, if God made all of those things first, then obviously those things were used to sustain us, to allow us to actually survive in this biosphere. We need plants. Plants, medicines come from plants. We need insects. They pollinate plants. All of these kingdoms, the mineral kingdom, our body is full of those minerals because the plants break those minerals down and they help our bone growth and they give us overall health. So we need all of those kingdoms to survive. Now, they don't need us to survive at all.
0: Do you ever consider that maybe humans really don't fit in with the whole biosphere of the earth because you, we're here kind of wrecking everything?
1: We are. Very good point, Jeff. We are trashing the joint. And so what's happening is, um, to coin a word from the Hopi Indians, they call it Skatsi out of balance. We are out of balance. And I think this comes from um, an aberration in our um, process of awareness and our role in the universe we tend to take um uh and this is not a gender attribute but we tend to take um a patriarchal overview on on our domination of the planet and i think that comes from the western biblical thing of you know um tame all of these animals you can name and you know in the in the creation myth um rather than understand them we're dominating them which is a patriarchal um, masculine energy dominant there's another energy form in us that we uh which as a musician you being a musician which is more passive receptive and that's the feminine intuitive that's where you listen and you feel you feel the rhythms you listen and you watch it's more of a, a passive receptive and you get enormous amounts of information and patterns come to you and recognition patterns and and uh, all sorts of information. And you see and observe bigger patterns, and, the, and this is what the NDE did to me, is it made me an observer of those patterns. And that's that's the way I can actually describe the experience so well is because um, I'm obviously quite intuitive and I can actually explain the patterns that I saw very well. Then you've got to attribute them to something that we can understand down here
0: what is your opinion on higher selves and do you feel like you connected with your higher self if you believe in that during your NDE?
1: That's a good question. And that, that gets into, um, the strata of human consciousness itself. Um, it's a metaphysical question, uh, as well as possibly a cosmological question. Um, metaphysics, uh, is uh the study of an inward journey in you know, a mystical journey and seeing your place uh that transcends the mundane so we have a mundane consciousness and this actually this is where a lot of this sacred information has been lost in regards to our animal nature and i once i uh, read say the book of enoch they have a book of animals started to make sense um In regards to our animal nature that we have very similar behavioral patterns to apes in the jungle so when i uh studied certain um writings from other people this confirmed in me what i'd seen in uh, my nde when it when the light took me back in time millions of years and it showed me where we came from, how we evolved. That was the linear evolution. That was the long evolution, the biological evolution. That is not the evolution of consciousness, though. But So I'm getting a little bit off. Just give me the question again. I want to just pinpoint I, I, that.
0: I was just seeing what your thoughts are. I was seeing what no, your thoughts are about higher self. And yes. did you connect with your higher self?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, okay. That keeps me on track. Um, this, this, I'm answering it in, in, uh, in an asymmetrical way because consciousness is a different evolution to our linear evolution.
0: Let me stop you there. I'm going to re-ask that and I want to add something to it. Sure. So, so what I was asking you was your opinion on higher selves and you know, if you connected with your higher selves, but also sometimes I have guests that during their NDEs, contact people who are still living on the earth. So uh, my theory is that they're contacting with their higher self.
1: Well, the higher self, um, mm, to paraphrase it, what happens is you're reducing your um, attachment to your lower self. So it's always there. That higher self is always there. And when you've peeled away the onion skins of that lower self and you keep peeling away, You end up with a pure awareness, and that awareness is the observer observing the observer. So I'm observing Jeff Mara on the podcast, but there's an awareness behind that that is detached from that. I'm labeling my mundane awareness is labeling you, Jeff Mara. Right? Your mundane awareness will label me as John, but there's an awareness just of an entity in front of me who, behind that, has another form of energy of awareness. So. There's masks within masks. So that's on a vertical strata. Once you you gotta move up the vertical chain, meaning, you know, we're spheres, we're these onion like spheres within spheres within spheres, like a Russian poopy doll, you know, a babushka doll, sorry. They have these different layers and, and that's what we're like. So what happens is in my NDE, I'd breach those layers. And all I discovered that my consciousness was in that other layer. It was already there, it already pre-existed. It wasn't something that that didn't exist. And when I went further and further and further, I realized that the the light itself, the absolute pure light, we are part of it. And yet we're just merely separated from it during the incarnation process. And we go through multiple dimensions and we're still connected with it always. So once we die, as we get older, we start to peel those onion skins away. And we actually go, funny enough, we go back to being like a child and we start to have these weird memories of when we were children but then when we die we're just going back through our own consciousness again and so we're ultimately meeting our absolute nature when we die which is love ultimately it's love but that that, that love is expansive it's not just a word it's everything because there's problems to resolve with love sometimes there's blocks sometimes there's people who are obnoxious sometimes you you have anger issues and emotional issues mental issues these are all the onion skins that we keep masking and veiling ourselves and this gets goes again back to the original fall in the judaic christian myth where we fell out of eden and we covered ourselves up with skins or we made a veil um this is a classic metaphor for covering up our true nature And with that true nature, we're actually hiding from God. We're hiding from ourself, and we're hiding from God both both together simultaneously. But whilst you're hiding, you're hiding from each other. So we're all running around with these little masks on. So yes, we do meet our higher self, but that higher self is not limited. There is an absolute and a relative, and we are often in the relative subjective. And so, of course, to remain... uh, to use a, a term naked, once you become naked and you're honest, you see your flaws, uh, you see your faults, you know, we're not perfect, of course not, but all oh, you just let that go. Don't ha- get a hang-up on me, just let that go. You so, say, look, I screwed up, you know, I did something wrong, I called someone a name, I got angry. This is this is part of the veiling uh, and habits that we've formed through um so many various you know environment family upbringing traumas all of these things affect and create veils over us and true healing is about healing those traumas letting them go don't be attached to them because as soon as you attach yourself to the trauma you identify with the trauma and this is this can happen on a singular and a collective level with whole countries are traumatized like look at the holocaust and and massacres and The destruction of Native Americans and and all of these um, tribal people around the planet, they carry trauma, and it's epigenetic. It's passed on. Even war can create trauma, epigenetically, can travel on where the victim becomes the aggressor, and, and it just keeps on perpetuating trauma. This is all the masking, moving away from self, moving away from that absolute purity of who you really are, which is a pure divine being, or a piece of the divine being that's come down into a relative um, um, entity or a vessel, and you're trapped in veiling, you know.
0: Besides encountering the light or God, did you happen to encounter any other beings, whether they were angels or just non-human entities or ETs or anything?
1: I was, That's yeah, I I did, but... um, during, when I went to the void, okay, that was a dark space. That was after I'd been to the planet and I blacked it, went through the planet nature. Then I found myself in a dark space. And I say it wasn't void because my consciousness was still aware of my consciousness and I was still John. So it wasn't empty, but I was the only thing in it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but then I felt a presence. I couldn't see it. Every time I tried to look at it, and again, you know, you have holographic, or well, I had holographic view Uh, in my you know you're absolutely clairvoyant when you're out of your body and I couldn't see it it kept on evading me but I knew it was benevolent it wasn't a a negative and it it was the one that manifested just before a gate opened the gate manifested after that and I could intuit because I was still processing the whole experience I could intuit that um, it was allowing me to have the choice to go through or not and I chose to go through the gate I said what the hell here we go, or something like that. And I went through. But then later on when I was going through the tunnel, I hit more uh, what we'd call crystalline skins or, or like gates. They were like crystalline, beautiful, ethereal. And then they were folding. They folded a few times um, and they opened up a little gate. And I, this is when I started to understand about tensegrity structures turning into symmetrical crystalline form. this is a very deep subject i won't go into jeff because it's just pointless because it's too out there mm-hmm. um but the these gates were folded and created openings or portals but i, I sensed that that guide or that, that angel whatever you want to call it was there with me but it never said anything to me at all this is where like a form of telepathic osmosis was passed to me that i just knew Oh, i had to do this whether it was doing it, folding these gates, or, or I was doing it, it just happened. And I felt like I was being let into certain gates and it was all bathed in love. There was no feelings of um, anything negative outside of myself because you've got to differentiate between external and internal when you're in this space. My feelings, I had apprehension in some things, mainly in the void because I had no point of reference. I didn't know where the hell I was in the void. It was just pure black. And I mean, black is black. There was nothing there. But I realized that that was an intermediary, intermediary place in between getting to the gate. So there's this, there is this gap. And I, the only way I can explain it uh, in physics, it would be like the gap between the electron and the neutron. There's this space in between, right? And that's exactly where I felt it was. They were connected, yes. Energy flows from the light down in through that gate. Um, or into everyone's gate everyone has a singular but there's also a collective gate that you can't get through unless you're taken through it in my opinion that's what i've experienced because i've never heard anyone talk about the gate or describe it in their nde so but later i did ask about it um, what were the pyramids used for and i said it was used to communicate with entities throughout the universe entities entities well what's an entity extraterrestrials that proves they exist for me And then later, years later, I asked spirit again in prayer and I said, look, I know they exist. Can I see them? I asked specifically in prayer to see them. And that's when I had about four experiences. Hmm. And that was very dislocating, much more dislocating than the, or the NDE was dislocating it through my life 180 degrees. But the extraterrestrial um, involvement is so out there on such a fringe wilderness level that um, it's very, very, the the, the average person who doesn't have that level of discernment puts it into a dualistic framework of good, bad, devil, demon, angel, light. And it's something that's uh, beyond human comprehension as to, uh, we can only infer or hypothesize why they're here at this time frame if these demons so supposed ETs were demons they could have controlled the planet millions of years ago why would they just appear in the last 30 years or 40 years or 60 years of human evolution they've chosen to come here because of the the damage and destruction that we're involved in at the moment not only of the earth but of ourselves. we're imploding we're like a, a toilet backing up with so much excrement. We can't fl- hit the flush button <laughs> to use a euphemism, not a very clean one, but there's but all this poops coming up and it's like, we're not dealing with it. We're not dealing with it. We keep blaming and pointing. It's you, it's you. It's like the mirrors of our shadow are starting to manifest. We're moving into our collectively. We're moving into our subconscious. We're going through a collective NDE.
0: That's interesting way to put it. You know, it, people talk about that we're going through or we will be going through the ascension, but is it, is that true or is human behavior even getting worse?
1: We're ascending at the level of our, of, um, of our karma and our, our previous lives here. And I just looked and I found a passage in the Bible the other day that proves that this ascension is actually the same thing as, the resurrection it's absolutely the same thing because the biblical discourse is that we are raised from the dead some are asleep some awake or dead and alive this is how they paraphrase the the four attributes and they said that um i think it's in the book of one corinthians 25 23 i think uh one no one corinthians 15 23 i read it this morning and it said something along the lines that the christ would uh, come first and and be raised up. Then the first fruits. In fact, I'll get the passage and I'll and I'll read it. May I? May I sure. do that specifically? Because I feel a lot of a lot of Christians say that they'll think they'll all be raised at once, and I've actually found proof that that's not not the case. That there's actually a staggered lifting. Um, here we go. Um, people can write this down if they want. <clears throat> uh, one Corinthians fifteen twenty three. I was correct in citing that. It says, uh, "For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive." Uh, I'm so sorry. Don't,
0: don't start that over. I want to. I'm going to put it up myself. One Corinthians.
1: Okay. One Corinthians fifteen twenty three. Or okay. well, you can start from 1, 15, 22, if you like. It's going it to pull it up. Adam.
0: My, let me give me one sure. second so I can pull it up on mine while you're reading it. Yeah. I can follow along.
1: Okay, so in one one fifteen twenty two one corinthians fifteen twenty it says, for as in Adam all die, well Adam is the first Adam, that's the golem, the one that that performed the sin that caused the fall. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all would be made alive, but each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes those who belong to him, then the end will come. When, he's hand, when he hands over the kingdom to God. So that's that phrase is small. It's very small, but it's pregnant, but each in his own term. And then there's three liftings, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So that proves that this is a staggered lifting. This ascension does not happen all in one go. From the theological point of view, I think they talk about the the uh, second coming. It's not the second coming. I've found seven comings, but that's a moot point. Um, this would be a theological discourse on a higher level. But the seventh coming is um, the seventh return of Christ because he actually manifests five times in the resurrection. He comes physical then he manifests four times uh, uh, as um, he comes to the disciples, to the two uh, disciples. Or Mary, sorry, Mary, then the two disciples, then he manifests to Thomas, then he manifests to the 12 disciples, but then in the book of Corinthians, he manifests to 500 disciples, so that's six times. Then finally, he comes as the Messiah, which is the seventh coming, which is a wrathful event. It is a completely wrathful event. So each one of those events, I think, are different time frames of the resurrection. Resurrection being brought awake or, or made awake. And coming alive from the dead this is not a new concept this is found in other theologies in before christianity came up with that idea so but the fact that they stagger that lifting they stagger that ascension and that's through what they call the bride and bridegroom theology of the marriage of the bride and bridegroom the bridegroom is christ and the church is the bride now the church is a very again another breakdown of what constitutes a church <clears throat> now a lot of people believe that, that that their church, because they're in a church that's, uh, you know, within a group, whether you're Pentecostal, Baptist, whatever, they think that their church will be lifted up as one whole. Yeah, that could be possible, maybe, maybe. But Christ didn't define the church as a group. He said it was any two that gather, any two or three that gather in his name. So, you know, they so they talk about, there's other parables there about, you know you know, being lifted up and one will go and one will stay. All of these parables. So you've got to put all of these correlating passages together. Um, and you say, well, what, what is actually lifting up? What is lifting up? The literalists will say, oh, their body is lifted up, like a, you know, goes up into heaven in a cloud and they meet with Christ in the, in the heavenly clouds. Well, physics would laugh at that and say, well, you can't fly. I mean, I've never seen a human being do that in my life. So it must be a lifting of consciousness. Once you apply this to a metaphorical, allegorical, and symbolic level, then we're dealing with levels of um, consciousness. And to get a deeper understanding of the movement of consciousness, you need to read the Merkabah chariot teachings. And that's where you can get a grasp of that through the book of Ezekiel, you know, where they talk of seeing angels descending and ascending on ladders this is all Kabbalistic. This all you have to study the tree of life in Kabbalah to understand what that means. Now Kabbalah has been demonized by modern Christianity, and yet Kabbalah is actually means to receive. It was um even Moses received, you know, uh visions in the Mount on Mount Sinai. He received the teachings and the Ten Commandments. It's called Kabel, Kabel in, in um in Hebrew. Kabel is a truncated version of Kabbalah, Kabbalah. So this is all there. People want to study it, but often people don't want to and they want to remain in their habitual, known you know, teachings and beliefs. I'm not like that. I'm thinking, no, I. it's like I go where spirit takes me. And if if um, God says, you know, read this, doesn't say it like, read this. You just get this strong urge, this intuitive urge to be guided to something. And then you go into it and you go, aha, that answered the question I had a month back. Or a week back, I ask for a, for an answer, and then you're guided to what you need to find out. So the ascension, uh, sadly, new age uh, new ages have been attacked viciously, saying that somehow it's uh, satanic, that we wear the false light. And I thought, well, hang on, we're not pr- we're not promoting world dominance. We're not out to rip you off or take your soul over. Some people have problems with it because they're far too open, and they do open themselves up to negative forces because they've got no spiritual discernment. They just go willy-nilly off and they go and meditate without taking checks and balances. You know, doing some of these modalities will open up your energy centres. We are a body of light. We are a whole temple of light, you know. And if you open it up too quickly, you can have mental problems. You can end up mentally ill. I know a monk of 18 years, 18 years of meditating, and he opened up on a level and the monastery asked him to leave because he went too hard, too fast against what the master told him to do. So, yes, there's dangers in opening up your light body too quickly and ascending too quickly.
0: Now, it's been a long time since you've had your NDE, but are you still getting any new aha moments or new information coming that you that cause you to still reevaluate your NDE and put it in a new
1: perspective? Um, I, I still get visions, Jeff, um, and they come in a series of four. That's the pattern. Ever since um, my NDE, I did get a lot of visions. Uh, I got some as recently as 218. Um, I recently got a vision about Joshua, the book of Joshua. And, like, I keep going back to the Bible. I do study a little bit of Buddhism and Hinduism and try to do comparative study. But for some reason, Spirit wants me to read uh, that particular book. And I'd read the book of Joshua three times already over the years. I've nearly read my Bible all up about three or four times. And I was shown. I woke up as recently as about a month ago, and I reread. I was Joshua. It was very strong in me. It wasn't a direct vision. Sometimes I get direct visions, but I woke up and I thought I have to read it again. And um, I've made links to uh, in the book of Joshua. It's one of the most violent books, by the way. There's a lot of killing involved. Uh, and to give viewers um, who are maybe not learned in biblical stuff that uh Joshua Joshua was handed over the priesthood when Moses died. Moses passed away, Mount Mount Nebo, and then they were entering into the promised land. And Joshua then went in and um basically butchered the whole of the promised land and cleaned it up and um and they stormed so the classic story of surrounded uh um <clears throat> surrounded um uh, what do you call it, um, Jericho, the walls of Jericho. There's that famous one when they march around and then, you know, on the sixth day they blasted the trumpet or on the seventh, or they marched for six days and they, on the seventh day they blasted the trumpet. But there's a lot of symbolism in the numbers six and seven. And then, of course, they blow these trumpets. And I thought, hang on, uh, blowing trumpets seven times. Oh, that that links. And I got this vision linked to the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. So I thought, that's interesting. So I did ring a colleague, um, a female who is a minister, and I just crossed it by her just to double-check that I've got the story right. So, yes, that's to answer your question, yes, I, I still get visions. That one's um, probably not relevant for the moment, but, and it won't make sense just yet as to if I explain it in a conclusive way. Um Other visions are more direct. Um, One in 2018, late 2018, I got a series of four visions about the world economy and about the collapse of the world economy and the upcoming police state. Uh, I got one about President Trump, which was alarming, and I don't want to give the whole vision. Um, If he comes back into power in 2024, I would give a stiff warning to leave the cities. That's all I'm saying about that. Move to the country. Find yourself a little country homestead. Get away from, say, New York and L.A. and places like that. That's if Trump gets back in. Now, he's been killed off. When I got the vision, he was in power. But he has been abyssed into the uh, you know, annals of history, never to return again. I mean, they even cut him off from social media, which was a very weird thing to do to a, pre- a former president of the United States. You know, in America, we all look up to America as the bastion of free speech, and yet they wouldn't allow someone to have that free speech, which I found rather odd. And there's a lot of commentary going on. I don't particularly swing either way, Republican or Democrat. I'm not into politics. I'll give you that disclaimer now. I step back and observe what's just what's going on with it. As I said, if he comes back, and what? We've got Elon Musk has just purchased Twitter for billions of dollars, and um, he's even swung to Republican. And he's even claiming he might even put Trump back onto his platform. So I thought, oh, what's going on here? So just be, these are little signals just creeping back in that, you know, if he makes a comeback and he, um, you know, stands for presidency, who else is going to stand, you know? I don't know.
0: In the beginning, I mentioned you're an author and your book is called God's Mountain. And I think the mountain that you're referring to is the Pyramid.
1: Or no? I'll just give you my answer with a smile.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, if you want to know more about John's book, I'm assuming it's on Amazon, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is Amazon Prime. Yeah.
0: You can read it and find out what is God's mountain.
1: Let me say it this way. It's funny that all throughout history, people have gone to mountains to receive visions. Native Americans do it. They go up on the mountain, they do um, Humblecha, which is their four-day vision quest. Uh, Then they might come down, they might get a vision, they might not. I mean, Indigenous people here go to mountaintops. They have done for millennia. What is the association between climbing the top of a mountain and getting, I mean, if God's God, God can sort of communicate to you anywhere, right? Why go to the top of a mountain? So what is this connection between mountains? Now. If in the ancient times, the only structure that that possibly would be big enough to be a mountain, and it was associated with thunder and lightning, I mean, you know, the Great Pyramid, when it may have been operating, you know, it was churning out a ton of energy or channeling a ton of energy, which would have caused the ionization of the atmosphere at the capstone, of course, could that cause thunder and lightning rumblings at the top of the mountain with flashes of lightning as it arced out? like a giant tesla coil i mean let the let the viewer and the listener discern put the science together now i've said what the the pyramid function is i've released the secret of the pyramid its function in great detail in the book and i challenge anyone on the planet to disprove it now you can't because no one no one can replicate it because it's it's non-functional at the moment if it was opened up again, it's too powerful for the level that we're living in, the state of consciousness, because it was connected to consciousness. And we keep looking at, I think, um, Stefanos, Mattia Stefanos said it recently. I've only watched one of his videos because it had about the pyramid on it, and he didn't actually talk about the pyramid at all in great detail. But he said it was the consciousness of the people of Atlantis back then. It, it was the consciousness of the Atlanteans was so high that was where the technology was in the mind and i thought that's the i'll give him a tick on that one a big green tick it was the consciousness that was high technology and the technology was built for the consciousness not the other way around does that right i know it doesn't make sense but it's like there was symbiotic the user and the used like the driver and the car and you can't use the pyramid without the drivers it had a function on practical levels and, and esoteric levels.
0: I'm running out of time, but I want to mention also or go back to that I also said that John is an artist. And if you look at his work, he's a top notch artist. And his web, Ugh. I think your website is johnscottartist.com.
1: you got a better memory than I do. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah.
0: And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to talk him into start painting NDEs. So. Hopefully, I'll get through to him, and we'll see what he'll if he'll be up for it.
1: Okay, I'll well, um I'll start on a series. How does that sound? All right. I think that's a challenge.
0: That's <laughs> a challenge.
1: Bit of a gauntlet. It's big. It's vast because mm-hmm. how can you paint everything? You know, it's not not that easy. Mm-hmm. As I said, I've got a I've got a blank canvas. We <laughs> joked earlier that I've got a blank canvas here. That's exactly what the light looks like. But it doesn't, but it doesn't but it doesn't show the emotional and the knowledge and all the emotions involved, the undercurrent, you know, all of that stuff is um, you can't put it down on anything, you can't write about it, you can't portray it in visual or any of our five sense perceptions. Look, we know we know what it feels like to love. We know what it feels like to give love imbued with emotion, right? Amplify that to a stratospheric levels. You know, if, it, if my soul was crying, even though I had no tear ducts or eyes, my soul was crying on oh, the sheer awe and the love. And of course it's pounding me with love. Oh, and it would accelerate that. It accelerated, it augmented the love as well, right? When I merged with it. And it was like oh, I just you know it's like sex. It's just like you like a giant orgasm you just you all you explode all altogether you want to stay you want to be there there's nothing to be scared of mm. god's not a big boogeyman that you know says right you you know you're going to go down there and check out the guy with the big horns that's where you're going and but that's the old you know jehovah violent god that's smiting people with lightning and thunder and whomping people <clears throat> no, no no that that's That part of the Old Testament is mirroring. It's a mirror. It mirrors our animal nature, our revenge, all of our lower attributes. That's what the Bible to me is. It's a mirror of the whole spectrum of human consciousness. And we can choose which book or which testament or which covenant that we want to follow. And you'll find this is why people keep changing churches and they keep on fracturing away from the from the ecclesia. We've had 40,000 denominations that claim they've got the truth and they're all arguing with everyone. I've got the truth. Oh, 40,000 denominations all telling us they've all got the truth. It's all relative. But you resonate to the level that you have grown into. This is why some scriptures can be interpreted, some are not, not, not relevant anymore. We've gone we have passed those days when we need to blow whole countries up. Well some of us have. You know. It's interesting. That
0: you, and- <clears throat> I was saying <throat> it's interesting that you use the word resonate because on maybe the majority of the NDEs, there's always somebody that says in the comments, This was my favorite NDE. So oh. even though every N D E is different from every other one, it resonates with somebody.
1: Yeah, and that's the beauty, I suppose, of everybody having uh, different experiences because Joe Blog, to use that that term, you know, for the average person, I'm an average person, but that Joe Blog out there who's just lost his dog or his mum or a parent who's lost a child, they don't want to hear about the, the esoteric stuff. It doesn't interest them. They want to hear, will they see that person again? absolutely. Absolutely god knows exactly where you're at on your level exactly where you're at right um spiritual spiritual relativity or the growth of each individual does vary no problems we're all loved we're all loved ultimately but our understandings we have different deep understandings of different um meaning underneath things so i tend to overstep that that I went through a lot of emotional stuff too when I lost my partner and daughter in a car accident. A lot of self-questioning. That's what probably got me on my original path. If someone had have turned, around, turned around at me and said, don't worry, you'll reincarnate, I would have punched them in the face. I would have said, what? what? I'm, you know, I was consumed with my, my grief. <clears throat> and, and it takes time to get over that grief. And then <clears throat> ultimately we do get over it. Well, some do, some don't. And it's, sometimes it's extremely hard. to get over the loss of a loved one. I get that. But nothing's lost. Nothing's lost. Because in physics, you can't create something out of nothing. That's the first law of thermodynamics. And that has to apply to metaphysics. That we we came from somewhere else. We're embedded into this darkness. Then to become fully awake and become enlightened to become aware and awake and alive and you get the questions answered as you grow. And if we're not growing, then we remain in darkness. And some people stubbornly, you know, want to remain in their grief and, and their sorrow and they, why, 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 why? Like It's like, well, if you keep asking the questions, they're inside you, but you're going to have to do the work. You can't be carried, you know, you can't be carried on every trauma that you go through somewhere along the line. You're going to have to confront those traumas and say, why did they happen to me? Why? You know, and that gets us into the deeper cosmology of, of um, pre-causality, predestiny versus choice. And these choices are made second by second, Jeff. Not, not not big choices. I'm talking every day we have to make choices on how we react to people, how we grow, whether or not we want to keep studying or stop studying or take that exit point. And I think when people go so gray, they take that exit point. They've had enough and they just say, no, I want to go. I've had enough.
0: I recently had a guest and the guest and I were talking about that
1: basically
0: maybe the whole point of this incarnation is choices.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm questioning that because some, some people I believe may have come back to fulfill previous karma, but others have chosen to come here. The more advanced souls, we're not any better. I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying that some have chosen to come back to help those other ones, to just lift them up a bit and try to um, nudge them along a bit. And that's what I think the time, uh, what Christianity calls Pentecost, was a time of uplifting when spirit hit all people, not just the church. It hit New Ages, it hit everyone. And this is another debate and subject that can be discussed with maturity and not defensiveness about my way is the right way. They're all the right way. You're all going to get there as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other. But some people keep formulating habitual thoughts where they keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And that's moribund. That's death. You've got to grow. And when those shells break, meaning the shells of consciousness, and they will be broken, they're being broken right now. Every reality we're having will be broken because it states a new heaven and a new earth will come, and the old heaven and the old earth will go. That means everything is going to change. But it's about in here. It's all about here. There's parables about old wineskins, putting new wine into old wineskins. They won't work. You've got to have a new wineskin. You've got to change your physical. You've got to work on changing your consciousness down here. It's imperative to, to spiritual receptivity.
0: You know, John, I could keep this going on for another hour or two. I'll have to save that for podcast number seven.
1: So before I don't know, know you're right. So seven, I'll do seven in a line with the sacred number. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I'll do one more.
0: (laughs) But before we go, can you leave us with one last positive
1: message? Uh just be kind, just be kind and be nice to people. I know it's really difficult because we are in a very dark space. And it may get a bit darker before it gets a bit lighter that I'm just seeing something that I don't like at the moment. Um, there's a lot of good people out there. Just hang in there. It's not going to be forever. We all have to go through this testing and trying time, all of us. you know. And good people like yourself, thank, thank you for being, putting this podcast up. And allowing people to talk about this very esoteric experience this is gold uh jeff it's gold you are one of the best interview uh, interviewers uh in this subject uh because you're learning as well this is helping your spiritual growth as well and right. it's forcing me to dig for questions i haven't thought about for a long time you know so thank you thank you for having me
0: well john thank you for being my guest and coming on the show again i wish you the best
1: i'd like to finally say before i go jeff that round earth behind you is too curved <laughs> <but anyway. laughs>
0: i should have brought up the flat one i didn't even think about that
1: and for the viewers it's an inside joke You're right it's not flat it's round <laughs> right
0: and i don't know I'm, two or three podcasts previously john made me a flat earth and we had it on the podcast and <laughs> i don't know why i didn't think about bringing it back up again but we'll have to do it on I, podcast uh, seven
1: well, I think that somewhat the flat earth theory is derived from the Book of Enoch, and, I mean, we can put that into another discussion later as to what the firmament is, the ends of the world, giants stuck in the south region or the polar region, uh, they're trapped. So there's all of these esoteric uh, passages that um, really need to be nutted out. That's the, the threefold book, of the Book of Enoch 1, 2 and 3, which um, they found uh, hidden in Ethiopia. It's been a, quite a, well, they call it apocryphal, um, not non-canonical, but it's like, no, it mentions, Enoch's mentioned in, you know, front texts of canon. Um, you know, I've read over 200 apocrypha all up, I think, including those books and metaphysics. So I think, no, no, you've got to incorporate all. There was a library. There was a much bigger library, and that library's been contaminated and half of it's missing. Most of it's missing. We have a remnant of a book. that's hardly got anything left of the real inner Gnostic work. The Gnostic knowledge again all of this stuff was handed down orally uh, master to student Moses used to talk orally to his you know Jesus spoke orally to his disciples a lot of it wasn't written down because it was too esoteric it couldn't be written down it was something you needed to experience and the NDE is in that realm I feel in my opinion you know,
0: maybe we'll get to it in number 7 thanks again John